2: All right, welcome on to the Hollander and Duncan third annual now trade deadline wrap up trade deadline superlatives. We have much to discuss here. We're going to talk biggest winner, biggest loser, players who really benefited, players who were hurt, our favorite and least favorite moves, lots of very interesting stuff to talk about here. But how are you just feeling overall about this deadline, John?
3: So I don't, I don't, I try to avoid F-bombs on the show, but I'm, I'm just going to throw one in here. Thank fucking God the Ben Simmons thing is over. Oh my God. I did not want to deal with that over the summer. Right? Like, just, ugh just so tiresome with the with the leaks and the blatant bluffing and uh just thank you thank you Nets and Sixers for getting that done
2: and i mean well you should thank one man in particular and that's James Harden
3: exactly cuz cuz the Sixers really were in a pickle and you know at the at the end of the day the Sixers and Nets kind of rescued each other and needed each other so badly that it didn't even matter that they're in the same division and competing you know for the same space kind of like the the only was to make the trade with each other.
2: How did you feel like uh, the price that was paid ultimately turned out? So uh, the leverage points
3: still favored Brooklyn. So I think that's why they were able to get the better deal in terms of
2: assets. Um, why, why do you say that?
3: Because Harden was still a participant, right? Like you could talk yourself into the fact that, okay, we didn't get a trade done. We still have James Harden and Kevin Durant. Once KD comes back, you know, Harden Harden for whatever, for whatever else is on his agenda- still has not won a championship and would have a realistic chance to win one, you know, when KD came back and and 0.5 of Kyrie. And so I, I think you could talk yourself more into the idea of of him playing somewhere near his real level and Simmons obviously wasn't gonna play in any games at all. And I, I don't think, you know, they talked up, oh, maybe he'll come back after the trade deadline. That was total ha. bullshit. That no, was not happening, right? So I, I so I think those leverage points favored Brooklyn and so they needed each other, but Philly needed Brooklyn more than Brooklyn needed Philly at the end of the day. And that's why you saw Curry in the two
2: firsts and Drummond thrown into the deal. Yeah, I was surprised that Drummond was involved. Uh, Philly kind of needs Andre Drummond, actually. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's, it, it was really fascinating the way it turned out. I mean, given where it was on Wednesday, I thought Brooklyn did well in the end. And because I, I think for Philly, you know, and we'll see, Philly getting hardened to opt in, I thought that was pretty big as well. I So um,
3: what we don't know is what was going on behind the scenes with that opt in
2: because... oh uh, well, well, nothing, he, nothing. They just started talking right on Thursday morning. Did you know that? <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It all came together the the uh picks the deferment on the 22 to 23 and you know figuring out exactly that it would be top 8 that is, that is that what is, would happen after that ha- having it all happened yeah, Thursday morning ha-
3: having been in the room for some of that yeah that's definitely the type of the type of trade and the type of negotiation that can be done in just a few minutes
2: <laughs> Exactly yeah that's yeah, like, you know it's, it's like and-
3: it's like a free agent sign and trade right like it just happens in the first couple minutes on July first, and that's just yeah,
2: yeah. It's all it's only the biggest deal in trade deadline history. I mean, you can just snap your fingers; that it could come together. um That said, though, I want to do want to take a quick tangent because I mean, what do you make of this whole idea that oh, Maury and Marks weren't talking? I mean, obviously, in the reporting on that, there was some water carrying going on. Obviously, I think it was affected by James Harden not having an agent, so yeah, the leaking from his side wasn't as uh robust as it could have been perhaps uh but it, like is that plausible that like oh it was all going on through back channels but they weren't talking like how does that work what are your thoughts on that
3: gtfo like <laughs> no like they 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 had to be talking um the the two teams and and in the in the you know and maybe a couple weeks ago it was just very like exploratory throwing stuff at the wall type stuff but as you got to especially Especially as you get into Monday... Uh, of trade deadline week, like you're now. Now everyone starts putting their cards on the table, and you know maybe that's maybe that isn't when you hear somebody's best offer, but but by Monday, Tuesday, you the the universe of what is possible is pretty clear to you ninety nine percent of the time, and some of that doesn't end up being actionable for various reasons. But like to to say that they, you know, oh, it just you know kind of came together last minute like that. To, that to me isn't believable you know maybe one side came more to the other side's side of the table in terms of what they were asking for but there were clearly some outlines of proposals happening way before that again especially on something this big and this complex like you know you want all your uh all your staff and your your input and be evaluating, okay, what, what does it look like if we put Tyrese Maxey in this deal? What does it look like if Seth Curry is in this deal? How much do we value these two first? Like you gotta, you gotta have a, have a really hammered down idea on all that stuff and all of its value relative to the things that you're receiving. And even stuff like obviously Harden's opt in, like they had to do some stuff to figure out, okay, what is, what, how does this contract thing play out? Philly obviously had to talk to Harden's people about what his extension would look like like I'd be I'd be shocked if the extension has not been negotiated already Harden will be eligible to sign yeah. an extension in six months
2: yeah yeah I mean well it's I mean he could sign oh no he can't sign an extension now because it's not during the season and then uh to sign the extension of the length he would like to sign it for it will it will be six months but yeah I guess I mean and then also I just wanted to ask you like just for the NBA just in a macro sense and just like what you think of the participants Harden involved Bob Maury, like the way everyone handled this, the way it went down. Like, what are your general thoughts on that? Like, what do you think of the participants? What do you think of the way, you know, what this means for the NBA? All that the, kind of macro. The blatant
3: stuff tampering is deal. a problem. Okay, and the the league still needs to get a better handle on that. And you wonder if part of the quid pro quo here on the deal, similar to LeBron James, you know, deal with Miami and Cleveland, where Miami sent two firsts and the sign and trade is like. Okay, you're not, you know, you're you're not you're not gonna you're not gonna throw the lawyers at us, right? <laughs> like if we if we put these picks in, I, I wonder if there was some of that going on.
2: Yeah, to me, it, that's that will be very interesting because there were rumors like, oh, you know, Brooklyn's gonna be pissed off about them them tampering. Although, you know, I don't know that Brooklyn necessarily has a leg to stand on from when uh, you know they traded for James Harden in season when he shut it down on Houston. Uh, you know, what was that a year ago? Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, so yeah, so. Uh, you know certainly a bit of pot kettle here involved but I I do think this one was pretty egregious now I don't mind like to me if I'm James Harden I completely get it like Kyrie Irving has been a complete asshole about this vaccine situation the fact that he's not playing he's not like James Harden I don't think got the vaccine either until very early on when it's like okay I have to do this to play so he just did it and Kyrie Irving didn't and I mean Kyrie can be extremely frustrating as I think everyone who has ever dealt with him other than Kevin Durant would realize let's not forget that they acquired Harden to begin with because Kyrie was already kind of wilding out a little bit and so I understand James Harden not wanting to be there anymore now clearly when he began to kind of shut it down and hope for this he doesn't do that unless he knows he has a landing space in Philly and that theoretically should not happen Correct. Yeah.
3: And I mean, again, and he did this without even having an agent. Like, if there's an agent, there's at least a little more plausible deniability, right? <laughs>
2: but yeah, I mean, he's got a manager, you know, I'm sure I'm sure they everyone everyone knows each other quite well from the Houston days yeah. when uh, the organization bent over backward to accommodate him in every possible way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I guess we can leave the, the discussion of what could be done to. Another time, perhaps. Uh, But, I I mean, I generally am less concerned about it than you obviously since you worked in a small market you're not as you, you've got more concerns about this than me I mean yeah. I'm kind of more in favor of efficient markets overall and uh, I mean I think like this ended up being a win-win I would say for both sides we'll see about that but uh, especially concerning the Kyrie situation but uh I mean what do you think of these teams now
3: boy we're gonna have a great eastern conference playoffs huh uh
2: yeah I mean Kyrie will play in half the games uh Ben Simmons will play in the defensive half of the games and i all right sorry go go ahead i I, actually i I couldn't resist
3: i I like how brooklyn looks now um they still have some depth issues some front court issues in a playoff game but like you could play durant with simmons and curry um and 0.5 kyrie's like, that's pretty good, <laughs> right? I mean, look at what they almost beat Milwaukee with last year. Uh, you know, not having Joe Harris sucks, and i, I it does seem like he's going to be out for the season, that he's going to need another surgery on that ankle. Um, you know, I was at the Brooklyn-Washington game last night and just talking to some people who follow the team a little more closely. There's nothing official yet, but it definitely seems headed in that direction. One would think.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, well, so number one, I, I mean, Brooklyn, to me, like their, I think that their decision to make this deal was more obvious, right? Regardless of what they're going to be this year, they're looking at losing Harden for nothing. They're looking at him just fucking around the rest of the season. It was obvious already that they weren't good enough. You know, I mean, I think maybe if, if Kyrie was going to play in all the games, you could talk yourself into it. But yeah, as you're mentioning, as Harris is out. They don't have any kind of 3 and D or shooting outside yeah. of that. It, you know their their team was just uh, last year's team was just the support guys were so much better. Blake Griffin had a pulse last year, which he doesn't now uh, on the offensive end and. Um- You know, also, I mean, when you say almost, they almost beat Milwaukee. Milwaukee was so bad in the first few games of that series. um, You know, I I don't think that they could do that, and I think we've seen that in the regular season games this year. So, uh, but so I think the decision to make the deal, particularly with what was thrown in, they got Curry as well, protects them if Patty Mills leaves next year on his player option. And
3: I mean, Curry's Curry's better than Patty Mills. I mean, and I I think the other thing the Nets did, they set themselves up now where they can go into this next offseason and they have. two firsts again so now you now you can go fishing and and get another player like I I think as a result of this trade it probably in terms of like championship odds or whatever I think from the Nets perspective really next year is probably when it pushes up their odds more than this season even
2: yeah there's just a little thing that Kyrie Irving isn't under contract for next year and isn't eligible to play in Nets home games
3: you're such a party pooper man well look well, Edson, it's, it's, let's I mean, let's see what saying, happens like, with, with Kyrie. That's gonna be really interesting because like what's his market gonna be? Who's 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 turning the who's handing the keys of their franchise to Kyrie right now?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, presumably if this New York thing hasn't changed, he's not gonna to wanna to come back there, right? I mean, it's really a, a political question more than anything. But also, I think we've all learned at this point to never underestimate Kyrie Irving's ability to sabotage a situation.
3: That is is definitely a factor and a and one, the Nets will need to wait two, But I think I think the Nets' best or least bad alternative might end up being re-signing him, and then taking those, and then maybe maybe you end up doing something later where you're trading like Kyrie Irving and those two firsts for Damian Lillard or something.
2: Yeah, I mean, and Simmons will still be out there too. I mean, that's the, Ben Simmons is uh, you know not exactly all reliable himself here either.
3: Well, I mean, yeah, that so. I mean that's how we got to this point. Like none of these guys. Right, as good as they are, as talented as they are, nobody totally trusts any of these dudes. Um, th- throw Harden in there too to be that rock solid foundation of the franchise. Like they've they've yeah. proven that, that's, that that isn't something they should be entrusted with.
2: I, I mean, that's pretty hilarious for the Nets that like Ben Simmons is was traded for because he's more stable than James Harden and Kyrie Irving. I mean, that's <laughs> the point that we've gotten to. It's, it's utterly insane. Yeah. So I, I mean, as much you're saying oh i'm so glad that this is over and all that i i was i was enjoying the ridiculousness of all the media leaks and and stuff like that uh, but i mean i think we're, we're not done i would say i think there's still going to be plenty of drama on either of these teams And you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. So level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use the code PER. Easy to remember because John invented it. Use PER to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino, I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O, Indochino.com. And don't forget that PER code to let them know you came from us. I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the P.O.S., it was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War I battleship, broke down all the time. Just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point-of-sale system that you can trust, not a real P.O.S., like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online. Track every sale across your business in one place. Know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media. Get great hardware that fits your business. Accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase. Easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level. Today, that's shopify.com slash PER. But the last thing, and we got so much more to talk about here too. But the last thing I wanted to talk about is just you know. So the Nets, I think, given what Philly offered them, right deal, good deal, no problems there. Philly, he gave up a fair amount. I think if they could have retained a little bit more of it, they could feel a lot better about themselves going forward. Obviously, they felt like, hey, this is this is our chance with Ben Simmons. We just we can't not do this deal. And for all of Sean Marks's the ridiculousness of Sean Marks's position, and then we're not talking, and we can hold on to him being. What about Nash's parroted verbatim? What about
3: Nash's Daily Presser that they weren't trading him? <laughs>
2: I mean, he was asked directly. I mean, this is why, by the way, like, I think not enough people in our profession do this, honestly, of just ask the question directly. Like, you know, we see these guys all the time and we don't, we kind of just don't want to annoy them. You know, we don't want to be that guy, but I mean, you can just ask the question directly. Like I think it was Stefan Bondi who said, all right, to be clear, you're saying he's not being traded. Like, yeah, you know, make, make, ask, ask the very simply in one sentence, just ask the question and he got some gold. Out of that, it was great.
3: Yeah, yeah, that was good stuff. I,
2: I, I mean, and nobody could be mad at you for asking a question like that. I mean, if you ask it every day, then maybe it's annoying. But, um, but anyway, yeah. So Philly, you know, they gave up Drummond. They got to have big problems at backup center now. Like their bench defense, I think, would be terrible. Um, you don't believe you know, it? Harden and Embiid? I think. Wait, wait, yeah. wait,
3: you don't believe in B-ball, Paul?
2: Uh, well, it's not a question of whether I believe in him. <laughs> His coach might be the might be the bigger impediment. He might there.
3: he might try to play George Niang at backup five instead of instead. Instead of my guy yeah. Paul Reed. I, I, yeah
2: I mean I guess they're gonna try Paul Millsap there first I, I don't know I mean so yeah I mean like not being able to hold on like to, and also to me I would say for Philly I would have rather if I I mean I would have rather probably given up Theibel and a first because that would have made the salaries match than Curry and two first and Drummond if I could have done that maybe they couldn't have done that yeah uh I but that that would be my thought because I just I'm still worried about Theibel being able to stay on the floor offensively but so so let me ask you this I I've said, I had talked about this for a long time already yesterday of what I think these teams are going to be. What do you think this Philly team is? Are they the favorite in the East? Are they a favorite to make it to the East finals?
3: Well, it's so hard to describe anybody as a favorite to advance individual rounds unless you say they're the favorite overall because we don't know what this, these playoff matchups are going to look like one through eight, right? Like everyone is so jam packed together right now. And I, I do like you look at this like one through one through five and then the top two guys off the bench. Like, okay, Philly looks Pretty good now. Like you replace, you basically replace Curry with Harden. That should be an upgrade, right? Um, Yeah. But they weren't like an awesome team before this. They like, they're pretty good, but I I get. They're definitely a legitimate contender in the East now. I can't make them a favorite. Like I still think Milwaukee and Miami are probably the two best teams.
2: Yeah. No, I I think I agree with you. I think I I gave them a 30% chance of advancing out of the second round uh, when I talked about this yesterday. And if I could guarantee that both Embiid, who has never been healthy for a playoffs by the way, Mm -hmm. and Harden were healthy, then I might bump that up to 40%.
3: That's, That's true. I will say I wrote about this today. Milwaukee and Miami, in a roundabout way, are the big losers here, right? Because now you have two teams which all of a sudden are much more threatening than they were yesterday.
2: Yeah, that's. I, I think so. I, I still would favor those guys over them. Uh, all right, so let's get into some, anything else you want to say on the on this trade. or If we exhausted this topic, you think? I mean, I, I talked about it for an hour yesterday, and I still feel like I have like two more hours in me to discuss it. But
3: I'm I'm, do- I'm
2: done with Ben Simmons for a while. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. Who is your biggest winner of the trade deadline?
3: I'm going to say Indiana.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think I. Agree they set themselves
3: that. up for a beautiful tank here, where they like even while being sort of halfway decent on paper, they're going to end up with like the fourth worst record or something. They're going to end up with a with a high pick in a draft where I think it really matters to be in the top four this year. It looks like a four player draft basically, and then it kind of gets much more speculative after that. Um, converted Sabonis into Halliburton. I think that's a win. Sabonis is freaking good. Don't get, like, don't get me wrong. But when you're talking about seven years of team control versus two, there was already chatter that Sabonis was unhappy there. Like, I I think he was going to push to get out of there at some point uh, anyway. Under
2: Rick Carlisle? <laughs> he didn't like playing for Rick Carlisle?
3: Well, I mean, Rick Carlisle had him standing in the freaking corner at the beginning of the season. Um... So yeah, I, I I just I just like what they what they did here, you know. Move off of Tory Craig, get the get the second round pick, get Jalen Smith, see what see what he can do. I, I just I just think they yeah. position the Lavert trade obviously. I like I don't even think Lavert is good. So like to to get that out of the Lavert trade and Ricky Rubio's bird rights, by the way, like that that could have some value too. Whether they whether Indy resigns him, like Indy has cap room scena- scenarios, but you're Indiana, so I don't know how much that ends up meaning. Yeah, uh, but, but I mean if
2: they if they're a few of these cap teams are trying to win next year, so they might actually be able to get their kind of pick of the litter of anyone they wanted to give. You know, $13 million a year to rather than 10 for the mid level with other teams.
3: And that's so, always that's, where Indiana is kind of hunted, yeah. right? Like, they, they love these Brogdon type contracts.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Or they could try to bring back TJ Warren uh, as well as a possibility. And and as you mentioned, they've always liked Rubio. Like, he was supposed to go there before Phoenix swooped in at the last minute in, uh, what was that, 20, the 2019 trade deadline? So, or, or uh, free agency.
3: And Rubio, yeah, Rubio, no, I, Rubio I agree. Was Indiana before, would be up too, there, right?
2: Who was there before? Rubio? Wait,
3: wait wasn't Ricky there?
2: No, no, he wasn't. Never mind. No, no, it, 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 he was rumored to go there for forever. But, um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I agree with you. Pacers, number one. And you know, I think the this kind of brings in a, more of a theme to me. The Pacers actually succeeded in selling. And mm-hmm. many of the players that we thought might move and might be sold, some of the most obvious guys, Harrison Barnes, Jeremy Grant, Eric Gordon, whether it, it just seemed like a failure of both the teams that were in theory buying you know, your Lakers, your Utah, for example, to not get anyone the pistons and kings although not after they got Sabonis, but they should have still been selling and, and rockets and uh magic all had guys to sell yeah uh brooklyn after the harden trade you know or might have you know had some assets they could have tried to bring somebody in as well potentially by trading joe harris that that didn't really happen um a lot of these teams even had guys that they wanted to get off of just to save money that didn't happen so it felt like even though we had a lot of deals a lot of them were kind of unexpected deals and the expected deals for whatever reason the buyers and sellers just like couldn't come together on this.
3: Yeah. Um it's interesting. I'm I'm still debriefing here, but I've I've gotten some anecdotal information that asking prices were maybe not super reasonable. So, I've, I'll I'm going to tr- find out more about that this weekend cuz everyone's still playing 52 pickup today.
2: Uh Yeah. No, it it seems like that's I mean that must have been the case, right? I now. mean, it was a first and uh, 2 I, seconds I
3: think, yeah. for CJ McCollum if you think about it and it seems like that wasn't like too far out of line from what a lot of other teams were asking for for guys who were like either bad contracts or expirings or whatever. So I I think that got in the way of some deals being done. Uh, I'm with you well, though. I'm so- I mean, I'm-
2: CJ makes so much money and for so long. Yeah. But I-, I thought Portland actually did really well there because that's a real pick. That's like a lotter an actual lottery pick in all likelihood. It's
3: either five through like, fourteen. That's not you
2: know a pick in the twenty.
3: Yeah, it's most likely a pick five through fourteen this year if New Orleans makes the playoffs, which we can no longer rule out. um then it's Milwaukee's pick in 25, which isn't
2: as good, obviously. Yeah, top top four protected. But I, I think it's you know easy, like 80% chance that pick goes to the, the Blazers. I agree with year. that. Uh, and I mean, because if you think about it, think of like at the draft, what does it take? How, what picks does it take to trade up into the teens. Now many would say hey you're over P- teams overpaid to do that, but right like 2014 the Nuggets uh had 11 and they got 16 and 19 from the Bulls to move up to 11. So and you're basically, you know, a pick that's in that kind of the 10 range or uh 2017, Zach Collins number 10, Sacramento traded 15 and 20 to get him. So if you think about it like that may be overvaluing, but they essentially got what would have been two first round picks from other teams games in value to get an actual real lottery pick for McCollum. So I thought Portland did very, very well in that particular deal. And they got two seconds on top of it.
3: So yeah, I I agree with that. Um, yeah, good good week for the, for the Blazers, absolutely. I know some of their fans are a little like, felt a little too much like it was a fire sale, yeah. I guess. But I actually... I,
2: everyone locally I, is like killing them, which I just didn't understand. I yeah. thought like they did pretty... I mean, you know, it, it's just, a lot of it depends on what they think of Kian, what Kian johnson ends up being when you look at the covington powell trade
3: yeah that was the one part because i'm not crazy about johnson so valuing him as a first round pick i thought was a little a little dicey um but the other like robert covington was only worth a second round pick at this point so like i i don't begrudge him that
2: no i agree and they also got the tax savings which was important in that in that deal i mean Um, it
3: it yeah. in a roundabout way like kind of it ended up not mattering at all once they did the CJ and the Nikhil Alexander Walker and all the other stuff I mean
2: yeah but they did, they couldn't have known that that for sure was going to happen at that point and I think also honestly it kind of gave them a little more leverage in those negotiations that they didn't now that part that is job. true
3: because we experienced that in Memphis where we I mean I'm not going to say it was like a massive deal but like my first year there we made a trade to get under the tax and then because of that people weren't trying to bone us on the Rudy Gay trade because they knew we were already out.
2: Yeah, yeah, the the Spates deal, yeah, in Cleveland, yeah,
3: exactly. And I mean that deal sucks, and we we overpaid to get out of the tax. But the the benefit, at least, was was that we were able to get a better negotiation on the Gay trade.
2: Um, yeah, I think Portland did pretty well here. I like what the Clippers did as well. I mean, to get off of Ivaco without having to to give up anything. Uh, they did uh, give uh, up. I actually, hey,
3: let me break some news on the podcast. Okay. Uh, they actually sent uh three point two eight five million dollars to
2: Milwaukee. Milwaukee as part of that. Uh that doesn't shock me. Yeah. I think that that's cuz for Milwaukee I was like wow they're taking on money like what the hell. Yeah. Uh so I yeah I, I mean that wouldn't I, I would have thought that'd be more likely than not but good I, I'm glad you got that one.
3: And, but I thought that was great for them to move off of that money and generate a trade exception, uh, a significant one, like 9.7. Like you can, you can use that, especially if you don't have that. They don't have access to their mid level. So this is, this is a way for them to potentially get another player now. Uh, so I th- I thought that was great work. Uh,
2: and, and getting getting Covington and Powell, I think is good too. Those guys will fit right into what they well, want to do in the future. They can re-sign Covington. To, maybe. To me,
3: Powell like is the big one because he fits so well with how they want to play, and he's played with Kawhi before. Uh, I mean, he he fits the Clippers roster much better than the Blazers roster, I would say. Uh, so I I thought that was an important one, and they're not as worried about the money in the out years. As some other teams would be. I think that really devalued Powell a little bit that not just that he had four years left, but that, you know, you're paying him 20 million when he's in his thirties. Like, I think that made some people nervous. Covington's interesting. He's going to be unrestricted. The Clippers will have his bird rights. I think that's one where they kind of want to play around and see a little bit. Like, he's had moments as a small ball five that have been really interesting. And I know the Clippers want to play that way. Is he, you know, if this was the Covington of two or three years ago, I think it's a no-brainer for him I think they kind of want to see a little more how this actually looks. Is, is he going to give him enough offensively? Can he can he defend in switches if he's the five? You know, there's there's some questions here. But an sure. interesting and I think productive uh, week for the Clippers. Uh, still kind of get the vibe that probably won't see Kawhi this year. and Might not even see Paul George. Uh, so they're just going to be, you know, scrambling for the eight, nine or whatever. Not worth it for them to tank because the pick's going to OKC anyway. So. But it's they're gonna be an interesting team to watch. Um, yeah.
2: And KP made this point that because ex- when your owner is willing to pay everything, this matters getting off of Bledsoe, who they would have had to waive him next year. I mean, there's no way they're going to keep him for 18, yeah. but to be able to trade him for something now. So you keep that salary slot available to you going forward in the form of Powell. I think that was really important too, because they would have had to waive him and then they would have just not been able to replace that money in any. Yeah. Um. So, I, I mean, some other losers to me, I mean, I thought. Again, I mentioned all the buyers and stuff. I think Detroit was a loser. The Bagley trade was utterly insane.
3: Yeah. I thought so too Two
2: firsts for Bagley Two seconds But yeah Or sorry sorry, Yeah sorry Thank you Seconds Uh,
3: And like pretty decent ones And to get Like they can sign Bagley this summer There's no bird rights
2: advantage Sacramento Or they could Why couldn't they have just Done the deal straight up With Detroit And just got DiVincenzo Like just done it as a uh, Oh is it I mean maybe they could have Done uh, it just a three way Not even involve Sacramento Yeah
3: Done the trade Yeah Done the trade with Milwaukee Yeah you're right They basically traded DiVincenzo for Bagley
2: Right yeah Sorry not Detroit Detroit and Milwaukee Yeah I mean they, they could have had Divincenzo, I would. I mean, I, I'm nowhere near as high in Divincenzo as you, and clearly his value had totally cratered. And I think Sacramento did great in that trade to get someone who wasn't in their plans, Bagley, to someone who may or may not be, but at least has a chance in Divincenzo.
3: When was the last time the Kings want to trade this clearly?
2: Yeah, it's been a while. uh I mean, when Vivek doesn't say, "Hey, get me an All Star," like McNair actually knows what the fuck he's doing. I think. Yeah,
3: yeah. They, I mean, this th- this was really this was really Really encouraging and i think it it helped balance out their roster a little bit uh to get another you know kind of at least like a real two there they they still need some actual forwards i i don't understand how lopsided the roster was this past season but they're they're definitely in a better better spot as a result of this trade and it kind of eases the Uh, the sting of the Halliburton move a little bit.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think for Detroit, Sacramento in particular, you know, they had Grant and Barnes, the two kind of premium guys and... Yeah, I would would have said, okay, you know, for Sacramento obviously is trying to chase the 10th seed now with this Sabonis moves. They wanted to hold on to Barnes. They had a high price on him. But I think, you know, if I couldn't have gotten two firsts or a first and a young player that I was interested in for Barnes, I think it's reasonable to keep him. And I think for Grant, same thing with Detroit. If that offer wasn't out there of two firsts or a first and a good young player. Now, if they wanted two firsts and a good young player, all right, that was too astronomical of an asking price. Yeah. But to me, for for detroit like if the offers were that low and you're sacramento detroit you just say hey you know what like we're not going to get significantly less than that for the guy in the offseason
3: you're actually probably going to do better with guys like that at the draft because yeah the team's trading the pick they know exactly what number they're trading off of and i think and and you don't have to put in like protections and what happens in 2026 and all that it's just a much cleaner transaction so i i wouldn't be shocked at all if grant and barnes both end up moving moving on draft night.
2: Um, yeah, and then Houston, Gordon, you know, once Cleveland made their move, it wasn't really clear to me what team was willing to give up a first for Eric Gordon. And if they couldn't get a first for him, I think you're fine just keeping him. Again, maybe into the offseason. I also Gordon has missed some time with Planner Fasciitis recently. I'm not sure if that played into things.
3: Yeah, I mean he Gordon and Gary Harris, like they they're guys who like they weren't as in demand as Grant and Barnes, but they're still like $20 million salary slots, and there wasn't that. That much expiring money sloshing around, so the universe of teams yeah. that could really generate a good trade proposal wasn't that large. I think, like the most interesting thing with Gordon was like if he had been appended to a Westbrook for Wall trade, where you know the the poo poo platter the Lakers offered everyone with THT and none. Um, if that and a first and and Westbrook for Wall and Gordon, like that would have been an interesting trade. Uh, but I think Gordon's another guy now who will go to draft night. And, you know, he'll be, you know, I I could easily see whoever ends up with the 28th pick this year decide that, you know what, we'd rather just have Eric Gordon. Ah, the sweet
0: sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? that's the sound of all the sports you love all at once starting at 40 dollars a month experience it all live with sling sling at bet 365 we don't do
1: ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-point at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment
2: What are your thoughts on how it was that the Lakers didn't do anything at all? I thought, at the very least,
3: that they would send Cash and DeAndre Jordan to Oklahoma City. Yeah. Right? Like, can you at least do that? (laughs) Can you at least get the dead weight off your team? I mean, it's a financial transaction, so it's only hurting the bus family, I guess. But, like, how do you not at least do that and, you know, open up a roster spot for maybe some of these buyout guys? Because the Lakers like, oh, yeah, we're going to be players in the buyout market. Well— yeah, you didn't trade anybody, so you still have 15 guys in your roster and you're a tax team, so everybody you sign is costing you three times as much like that's that's some mismanagement right there i'm sorry like i understand them not wanting to give up a first just to kind of throw something at the wall for this season i think that logic is okay where they say you know what when we go into the off season and we could trade 27 and 29 maybe we could do that and get somebody who really makes a difference like I understand that logic. That that part to me was fine. Yeah. But
2: I I mean it basically it's what it seemed like was it's just it was just an acknowledgement that they're fucked this year.
3: Yeah, they're they're not good enough. And be you know, being honest about where you are, I think is really important in the NBA. It's where a lot of teams screw up, right? Is is not understanding that either it's over and they need to rebuild or that they're not good enough and it's not worth throwing more draft picks at a situation that isn't salvageable. And so the Lakers Lakers were honest in the mirror so I give them credit for that
2: yeah, I mean, I'm sure they offered the first and THT and none, but I I understand if, you know, say Detroit wasn't willing to give that up for Jeremy Grant. And I also understand the Lakers saying, hey, you know what? Like Eric Gordon is 33 and we weren't willing to give up that first just to get Eric Gordon this year. Like we're, Eric Gordon wasn't like they need because the thing is as bad as Westbrook has been like they need three other players and maybe they could get a couple of them on the buyout market as well. But they need guys who can just come in and, like, actually play and be above replacement level and particularly play, like, some modicum of defense. They should have called Washington about Kuzma and Caldwell Pope. Oh, man. You know how many times I've made that joke. <laughs> uh, but they can't they can't actually get those guys back, sadly. <laughs> Triple-double for
3: Kuzma last night uh, in the game I was at in D.C.
2: Yeah, another Nets loss, by the way. I mean, that's—by the way, real quickly, I, I mean, the Nets are going to be in the play, and there's basically no way out of that at this point, right?
3: Yeah, are they are they better off tanking down to nine? So that I guess at nine you still actually they're not because at nine you still start with a home game. Um, so you, you they'd probably almost rather be eight than seven though.
2: Oh man, so funny. Well, well, yeah, because even well, if they're eight, then even if they uh, they start
3: with a road game to get the seventh seed.
2: Yeah, but then if they don't get that, then they still get then play they play at, at home too.
3: the the next one. Yeah.
2: Okay, so yeah, the the Lakers. I, I you know as we go through it here and like you uh, Gary Harris, you, you wrote that. Talk about the buyout market and how teams would rather buy out Harris but I also think there just wasn't necessarily a good team that had 20 million dollars in expiring salary that they could trade for Gary Harris or even a team that had 20 million in in expiring salary or, or 20 million in bad salary that they could say all right right, we'll." trade a first to get Harris now and get off of his money maybe or, and maybe use his bird rights or something like that, right? You know, with the Mavericks, the Mavericks wouldn't have been interested in trading a future first for, and Tim Hardaway Jr. for Gary Harris, right? I think they're just, they feel like they, they're they bigger fish to fry with your first round picks than something, a move like that.
3: Yeah, I would agree with that.
2: What the hell do you think of this Porzingis thing, by the way? Thank
3: you. Yeah, that was the one I wanted to talk about. That one just blew my mind. When when I, when, that was the one trade that came across the wire that I I was just what what happened here they i mean
2: what's your answer <laughs>
3: and so the thing i get back to is what do they know about his knee that we don't
2: that that's what i've been saying as well i mean right knee bone bruise that's the knee that he also just recently had the scope on and took a while to come back from and then also had an absence uh i, I mean i think like that that has to be the explanation that he is not gonna be whole the rest of this year that that if if that is true then it makes sense if that's that's not true then I start to wonder
3: because then it's like almost highway robbery for Washington like if if you're Washington regardless you had
2: to do this deal right I, I think probably uh I, I mean I'm still I'm for, for me I mean even if Porzingis could play I'm I'm still I mean I, I definitely like it for Washington because of what their goals as a franchise are but I may also still like it okay for Dallas because of what their goals the franchise are now many have pointed out hey like Bertans and Dinwiddie basically have the same guaranteed money as Porzingis Porzingis does have have a player option though and hilariously Dinwiddie and Bertans are probably more likely to actually be in the lineup Dinwiddie does give them some insurance on Brunson leaving although I might have actually understood this move more if they also moved Brunson yeah maybe they feel like they'll move him in a sign and trade possibly this offseason and get something for him but um and they've liked Dinwiddie before I think they are at least uh buying low on Dinwiddie and Bertans and maybe there's just a feeling like hey Chris Aspersing gets his salary slot was just too big the his all we've been trying to trade him that it's just not a digestible contract for anybody yeah you know we were doing fine without him and so let's just having Christoph Porzingis wasn't going to be part of our path to finding another star we still have to find that or we need to just make a team that makes more sense around Luka and so and Porzingis couldn't play late in the playoffs anyway because he's too immobile and he can't beat switches so this is just let's just give ourselves some more flexibility even if you know maybe we we kind of downgraded in terms of the best player in the What do you think of that reason?
3: Yeah, it reminded me of I'm going to the way back machine. But when Chris Webber was traded from Sacramento to Philadelphia for basically three contracts that were each one third of Webber's contract, and th- this is yeah. the same kind of thing where Dallas is just trying to live to fight another day this off season, where they know, you know, can they win around this year if they get the right opponent? Yeah, sure. But they they know they can't beat Golden State and Phoenix this year, so they're they're trying to that. That's a lot a lot of what the trade deadline is on the front office side is you're actually working on next season and not on the current one. I think this was a good example. Uh, Dallas now has uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, and Kleba is almost seven contracts between 10 and 18 million so like they have all these middle class deals that they can do some stuff with um they're still out on picks a little bit uh but they you know they got the richardson exception like they they got some things to play with here
2: yeah you know i i think that's right and dinwiddie i mean now the problem you mentioned all these contracts many of them are bad <laughs> but i also think dinwiddie like he can be good like his finishing has not been where you want it to be this year's scoring has been i think he has been pretty good as a passer this year he's he gives you like at that as a point guard position you know he's got some size he'll give you some help defense like he's not terrible there and you know remember he's just now coming through being a year removed from the ACL injury yes he did come back yes it was a partial tear and he was able to start the season but you know I think giving him a little bit of credit for being able to look a little better going forward and also I think you know the interpersonal aspect between Luca and KP it improved by reports this year but had never been great so I think that's probably part of this too
3: uh yeah there was also the interpersonal aspect between uh Dinwiddie and Harold and the rest of the Wizards right I think I think there was well, some yeah, of that going Beale, on yeah
2: yeah Br- Bradley Beal yeah so um I, I think I think w- let's find out we can't judge this one until we see what Porzingis's health status is and for I, the Wizards I think it's actually you know you're worried if he's ever going to be able to play going forward but if he can't play the rest of the year that's fine
3: uh I I would be surprised if they play him at this point I mean, you, you've already put up the white flag on the season.
2: What what is your
3: yeah, I mean benefit of of playing of playing Przingis in the games? What's your feeling now on
2: Beal? You think he comes back?
3: Yeah, I mean the the way these players are now, that you know, you get the bag and then and then you do other stuff. Now what would be interesting is if he opted in, which he also could do. Um because that might set up some other alternatives. The, um, so there, there's still some interesting turns that that could take, I guess. But I think it, I think at the end of the day, I mean, Washington, to me, blew their opportunity to trade Beal a year and a half ago when that was clearly the right move and really rebuild yeah. this from the bottom up. And instead, they're in this, you know, almost Sacramento East situation where they're just chasing the eight seed every year. It's been like that for 20, 25 years there now.
2: Um, uh, yeah, I mean, they they, I think like the Beal Wall, that core, I think they hoped that those guys could grow and get good enough.
3: Yeah, that the Beal the Beal Wall once... Porter for like two years there was the exception, right?
2: Right. Yeah. But they still did not win 50 games that day, which they <laughs> basically have not they haven't
3: done the it 70s, since 79.
2: Yeah, that's that's incredible. Okay, so let's see here. We got probably ten minutes left here before we start hitting some questions. Spurs. Um let's talk this Spurs Celtics. Oh, you like you like what the Spurs well, did? Well, let's
3: talk Spurs and Celtics, I think. This this Derek oh, yeah, Jarrett- yeah, White okay. Sure. Is is super interesting. Um, you know, Boston traded seven players yesterday, and I believe they're going to end up with a trade exception for all seven of them. Weirdly enough, yeah, that's they go from Richardson to White, give up a first and a swap right top one protected in two thousand twenty. Oh, is that what
2: it is? Top one protected. Yes, good. That's uh, I, I don't I don't think that's been reported anywhere else either that I've seen at least. Oh so. no,
3: that's out. That's that's yeah. out there. Yeah, this is not oh, okay. This this is not intrepid shoe level. The reporting by me so that, that was okay
2: no there. yeah the, the cash amount for uh for the clippers the to the bucks that's what people are here are here living with. <laughs> what'd you think of that deal though top one protected is a little concerning i was kind of under the impression it would be like top four protected so that that's a little more concerning uh i mean i understand why the swap was 28 because too soon would have been useless to the spurs if jason tatum leaves for the celtics you know 25 or 26 they would not be interested in that but i think they they feel like they can bottom out and then hopefully get decent enough again that that won't kill them in in 28 and also the spurs might be a lot better at that point i guess when they would want the swap so like that was that was the way to do that swap, so it had value to both teams. I did think that you know the number twenty two overall pick for Derek White, um particularly when the Spurs are taking on bad ish money for next year, is you know that wouldn't have been enough. I think there did need to be something else there. um But yeah, I mean that's that that is a pretty big potential downside. I like it more for the Spurs now because it's just, I, I like I like having these lottery tickets that can pay off big, even if they don't have a huge chance of it. Uh, it, it is interesting. Interesting, right like like to for the celtics to make that trade that could potentially have that big of a downside to get a guy who's a good player and i think helps them but it's not like you, i think you make that sort of a deal that has that type of downside when the deal itself has a crazy upside i don't know if this deal has that yeah so that concerns me if it were top four protected i would have been good with it i'm a little concerned that it's only top one
3: right because you weren't getting an all-star and what like why is a good player and he signed for three years after this one,
2: yeah, a little. Like I really like the player and the fit. I mean, I, I understand why they they wanted to target him for sure.
3: Yeah, a little duplicative of Marcus Smart, maybe. Um, Would still like a, a like a real point guard in Boston a little more, uh, which is the one thing they don't have. But defensively, I mean, these guys, uh, especially their starting group now. Um, is going to I mean they're they're going to be really hard to score on and they're a team that could make a run here now in the second half of the season especially if they can fill all these dead roster spots with some warm bodies
2: no I agree I I I mean this defense is going to be unbelievable uh particularly how good Rob Williams has been this year and I I don't they may still start Horford maybe and bring one of those two guards off the bench if only I mean I'm sure like everybody Braun and Tatum neither of them wants to quote-unquote play the the four in the starting lineup as well. But yeah, I think their closing lineup of White, Smart, the two wings, and Williams, I mean, that is that is a monster defensive.
3: Absolutely. I think there's a little bit of a tell here too with Boston's moves and especially that Daniel Tice trade that they're probably not going to pick up the guarantee on Horford next year because then they can, be, they can get out of the tax if they operate that way.
2: The Tice move was maybe the second worst move, I would say, behind the Detroit bag move. And just, an I mean, maybe not worst move because it's not... Yeah, I I mean, you could probably maybe throw the Sacramento Sabonis thing in there too, like because that's just more consequential. But in terms of just, I have no idea what the fuck they were thinking. Yeah, the Tice move is up
3: there. Yeah, exactly because that like that is a negative equity contract that i like did the did the celtics i i think they were a little too nostalgic there especially with stevens getting his former player um so that that one worries me i know i know that like part of it was they definitely wanted dennis Schroeder to not be on their team um and i think the trade market for him wasn't nearly as robust as they hope but
2: uh, uh yeah that it would appear so
3: <laughs> a little a little surprised they couldn't even do like two minimums from cleveland
2: yeah well cleveland i think were yeah was maybe they were with some taxes. I guess they figured they got Levert and Rondo has actually been playing okay for them. So they just didn't need him. Yeah, yeah. So that was um, that was wild. Uh, yeah, but I mean, I think the Spurs did well. You know, they're four trades for the Spurs. Like it's definitely a new day for San Antonio.
3: And I think... I think all four of them were pretty good. Like I thought Thad young was going to go to a buyout and they ended up moving up like basically a dozen spots in the draft on that.
2: That was a great deal. That young
3: trade. And now you look at them with Richardson at 12 million next year. I think they're going to be able to flip him and get something too.
2: Possibly if, uh, if they wanted to take on some bad money. uh, I think that's a possibility. Like Richardson hadn't been bad for Boston.
3: Exactly. I mean, Derek White is definitely a better player. They get a flyer
2: in Langford. Like maybe Chip Anglin can, try to go to work on langford as well you know they they have at least a, a no, that's another potential out as a wing like i you know i langford obviously was valued as being pretty worthless by this boston regime <laughs> I, and i think that makes sense i think
3: that was a sa- that was them. a salary dump of 5.6 million for next year from boston's perspective
2: yeah which I, I totally understand um other winners i would say are phoenix and and golden state because nobody in the west did anything
3: yes uh what do you think about memphis standing still
2: uh i I mean they have a deep team they're fine like i wouldn't have done anything if i were them other than like tried to really get a big fish and it just doesn't seem like i wouldn't have pushed in for jeremy grant for example if i were them like he uh, and i didn't
3: think he was the right move i i agree with you on that
2: yeah i don't think he changes their destiny i think you hold on to their scratch they're just a good drafting team too like some of these guys they have are going to age out they're going to need cheap contributors now what ends up happening with their three first round picks of the draft like that's gonna going to be that's asking a lot for a team that's already good to take on three guys it's, like a, this. it's a
3: boston situation right i think they're going to try to either package them for upgrades or they're going to try to move up in the draft and just have one high pick rather than three picks whatever by the way how about uh how about memphis uh negotiating for top 10 protecting rather than top 14 protecting on that lakers pick <laughs> that that could end up really mattering huh
2: solid move <laughs> solid solid move there uh i i mean I'll, you have, we haven't talked about new orleans at all by the way i i would have them uh as a loser i would say yes uh they they will see
3: a short-term spike from this obviously like they're they're a better team now but i i like josh hardy had a great contract cj obviously does not he really constrains their options these next two seasons uh as far as what they can do especially
2: yeah they are like right at the tax are like $7 million under the tax for next year.
3: Yeah, right. so CJ Trey, he takes them out of their mid-level. Um, obviously, they gave up their their first unless it ends up in the top four, which seems pretty unlikely. They took what I consider this at one point was a great contract, but Larry Nance at this point for 9.7 next year on a team that already doesn't have enough shooting. Like, I, that's kind of dead money isn't it
2: yeah I, like the theory of him is great i would like him a lot playing with zion in, in some lineups but he just hasn't been the player that he was in cleveland and now he's going under the knife w- with this this surgery for a torn meniscus interesting that the blazers initially said the mri showed no damage and now he's now he's getting the surgery so <laughs> and that's the knee that he had the torn acl in in college so i mean this could be a situation and, and he's obviously the reason he's a good player is because of his athleticism in large part he's a good passer too but any good anticipation but it's not that's what makes him good and he, he's you know he's not the guy who's dunking all over brooke Lopez anymore. exactly at this point exactly uh but but to me for New Orleans right like I'm not even sure that they are a better team with CJ rather than with uh Josh Hart for next year and when you consider CJ versus Josh Hart full mid-level exception signing next year and your lottery pick yeah yeah that's the and, and two I mean, seconds you're also, so you
3: have 2 seconds also it wasn't even just the lottery right. pick.
2: Yeah, so I, I mean, this is a win-now move for a team that doesn't have Zion Williamson. It's pretty impossible to imagine that Zion Williamson is going to come back and like lead them into being able to do anything this year. So you're basically making this move for next year, but McCollum is already 30. I'm not, like, it. it they need some more shooting, but I don't know that they need like another like mid-range shot creator who doesn't pass that much. Um, you know, Ingram is kind of in that role and he's probably a better passer than CJ too at this point. Um, but of course, the other thing that's hilarious about this John which I'm sure you've been hammering is this is just compounding the original sin of just letting Lonzo Ball go
3: yeah absolutely uh that like what was what was so bad about Lonzo Ball that yeah now you turned it into you got Graham and uh you yeah. ended up with McCollum and Temple now that you like you just clogged up your sheets yeah. so much whereas if you just like if you just had Ball and Hart like you were fine like what, what was the problem here
2: yeah yeah, well, and then, you know, they traded for Graham. They thought Alexander Walker and Kyra Lewis would be able to contribute in the backcourt. And obviously that wasn't the case. Lewis wasn't good. And then he, then he got hurt. And obviously they don't have Alexander Walker anymore as well. So it just, they've made just so many mistakes in that backcourt. Uh, I kind of, even though you and I both liked Alexander Walker initially, it obviously didn't really work out. And then, um, you know, a lot of people killed Utah for acquiring Alexander Walker in that Ingalls trade. What'd you think of that?
3: I just thought it was disappointing from the perspective that they took angles in two seconds and basically opted for tax savings over roster upgrades.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it just what uh, I, I think they came to the conclusion again. Like the, the who is who is going to help them? It would have been Eric Gordon, or Gary Harris, Grant.
3: Yeah, I don't. I, they, they to get Grant or Barnes, I think, was not realistic for them given what they had to offer. Yeah, but I was a little surprised that they couldn't accomplish something at a at a lower level. Like for them to not. Get Robert Covington, actually, I think was a little bit of a failure, right? Like that was a, the, like the, con, well, the well, contracts but, lined up. But, they, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like the Clippers offer for the Covington portion was so overwhelming that Utah was like, how do we compete with that?
2: Um, so, but well, but the I think this is the, the money aspect too, with the other one where it just, they, they Portland wouldn't have wanted to take Ingles for Covington because it would have been taking or or it wouldn't have saved Portland A.
3: Yeah, I mean, Portland had plenty of dead bodies they could have heaped on top of that to even it out. I mean, they ended up, you know.
2: Yeah, I guess so. But then Utah also, they probably didn't want to take on money and for a guy. That now we get to really the crux of the negative.
3: issue, and that's why it's disappointing because they went all in on these contracts that they that they have on the team already, right? They didn't really negotiate on the extensions for Gobert and, and Mitchell because, like, we're all in. Let's go. You know, we don't care about the tax. Well, actually, we care about the tax now. So it uh, really disappointing. Well,
2: I, I understand it from the standpoint of like Robert Covington would have been just like another piece he's probably not going to close for you so why should we take this on and and also I think they actually like Alexander Walker you know which obviously Portland didn't so maybe that's that's part of it I mean I did think it was interesting that they took on Alexander Walker's like five million for next year like they obviously really just their evaluation is just that he they think he can be good and they uh, affirmatively wanted to acquire him
3: I certainly think he has a better chance of being good as a backup to than running 50 pick-and-rolls through him and letting him take whatever terrible shot he wants.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's right.
3: Ah, the
0: sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? that's the sound of all the sports you love all at once starting at $40 a month experience it all live with sling sling at bet
1: 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-point at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line whatever the sport whatever the moment It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be President of Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Okay, well, why don't you guys, uh, anybody who wants to jump in here with a speaker request, go for it. Uh, We're going to get into that portion here now. Uh, Kyle, I see your request. Hopefully you are still there and you can join us. It's probably been a while. Kyle, are you there? All right, we have lost Kyle. Let's try Eloy here. Eloy, you are here. What's up? Hey guys,
4: up? Uh, just wondering, I know we have talked about the Spurs here a few minutes ago. Uh, I know it's hard to tell the future, but are they more likely to possibly draft these picks this summer, package them to try to move up, or even package them for a star since we're not a big uh, free agency destination?
2: uh yeah so the Spurs right now they've got you know probably in the 6 to 10 range with their own first Boston and Toronto you know probably like in the 20-ish range just for for people who wanted a a refresher on what they have but what do you think John?
3: I think they'll probably take those two picks and try to trade up into the teens uh you know classic Spurs move would be to draft European guys in the 20s this overseas draft this year is terrible it's the worst one that I can remember in probably two decades at least uh uh, so I, I don't know if there's a player for them to do that with one of those picks. So I think what probably happens is, let's say they're at 20 and 22, they try to package them and get to like 13, uh, and and operate that way because they're they're at a point where they probably need to take a few bigger swings. Uh, now they do have the cap room too, so that does open up some interesting possibilities where you know can they trade picks four players, but I don't know who's available that really makes sense for that kind of maneuver right now. Maybe something will present itself after something happens this spring that we just can't foresee.
2: Yeah, they've got 26 million in cap space is my projection. They could probably get up to max room if they want to. That doesn't include a cap hold for Lonnie Walker, but it's interesting. We just had that same conversation, John, about Memphis, who is also going to have three picks and also will be trying to package to move up. So the fact that it's you always have to pay a huge premium to do that anyway we talked about yep. that earlier in the show and so it may just not be possible but it, the spurs they have a, plenty of young guys here like i'm fine they have a good development system i'm fine just using all three of those picks for where they are as a franchise right now like yeah you would try to move up but i don't think it's the end of the world to just use the three picks and of course it, it depends if they get into the top four you know that changes things as well just by the lottery
3: yeah i could see it they're gonna have maybe a little bit of trouble rostering all the guys next year d- depending on some decisions decisions they make but it's it's manageable. Uh I guess we'll we'll see how that part goes. The other thing that they would have and for Memphis too is deferring the pick. In other words, you trade it for a future pick. I think the problem they're going to run into is the back half of this draft. We'll we'll see how people feel in June. Not looking good right now, so I don't know who's giving you a future first to get into the draft this
2: year. All right, uh, Eloy. Thanks for that question. Let's, uh, Caio. You're here. If you're here now and you want to unmute, uh, go for it. What do you got for us?
5: Hello, guys. Hope you are doing all right. Uh, So yeah, always always good to hear from you, man. What do you got? So my my question is kind of about the deadline. Would it be too crazy if the Brooklyn Nets use the opportunity from the the Harden Simmons trade? to actually get uh, Eric Gordon for the lottery protected first they got. Because I think the salary slot uh, and actually a switchable def- uh, shooter would be kind of crazy. And uh, the last piece, they could even uh, package the... Um, man, I missed the name of Jevon Carter uh, to... Seller dump him and all this shit, cause I think they lost opportunity, you know, uh, to maximize Duran's peak, uh, chances of championship.
2: Yeah, so, so quickly, uh, and it, you probably know this, but uh, if they wanted to get Gordon, he makes $20 million, they probably would have had to put Joe Harris in his matching salary. Maybe they could have done Carter as well. If as
3: they had, the no, year. no, no had but if, no, I think he has a point. If they had done this as a three-team trade, so it's Harden plus Carter, plus there might have had to be like a Bruce Brown in there or something. So times 1.25, I think he could have taken back the guys from Philly and Eric Gordon and been okay.
5: Oh, actually, that's interesting. Actually, if you yeah. take exactly uh, Simmons plus Eric Gordon, and you send Javon Carter, you the salary matches, I believe, uh, because Simmons makes around thirty-five, and Harding makes almost fifty. Uh, so the salary works uh, precise even without further players. And yeah, but you would—I mean, you would rather have
4: Curry
3: than Eric Gordon, though. Like you you, you got to get Curry. To no head no. Head of the deal.
5: Yeah. Obviously, obviously, but but you also can send yeah. as well, call me stuff you are sending out, and you could, I don't know, reroute a German or uh, something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah yeah so so i think you know you're getting to a good point here and i'm sorry i missed your initial point on, on the three-way um but this came together so late and yeah you know they're probably there probably was something to the idea of like okay they're trying to like maintain plausible deniability and not talk and like not do this deal until we're sure that it's coming together and all this weird negotiating stuff that they were doing uh but it seemed to me john and you could talk about this too like all right so this was announced what maybe two hours before the deadline is being done it did seem to me that it just wasn't maybe Brooklyn just didn't have enough time to I think
3: the clock the, cl- the clock ran picks. out on both these teams yeah because I, I, they yep. could have done other stuff to pile things on top of this that's one of the dangers of deadline is why it helps to do your work early uh I mean I could remember from my own experience like we did a the Courtney Lee trade with Charlotte we had it done early enough or at least I had it on the one yard line early enough that we could call Miami and be like hey I think we have a solution for your tax problem you want to give another second and we're able to route in a third team that way and the problem is when you complete your own trade at you know the deadlines at three o'clock eastern when you complete your own trade at one o'clock or whatever now you try to reach out to other teams to get like a third team in the deal or whatever but they're all doing the same thing we're there we're there putting the finishing touches on the deals they've already been working on the whole time so like for you to introduce a new trade proposition that late in the game it's very difficult yeah
2: i mean it's just in terms of like the actual decision makers the owner has to be involved the gm i mean maybe you can have a bunch of lower level guys making calls and coming up with proposals but you know there's only just so much attention that a decision maker has within a two-hour period to devote to all these things and like if you're already deep in discussions on something else for someone to bring you hey uh, brooklyn actually wants to give us a first for or, or two first for this guy we got to take back this salary and you're just like you haven't even had a chance to work that up at all and like it's it, it, would, it I, I mean people don't think about this but it's just like just the actual attention span the bandwidth that the actual people involved have to deal with that it just it wasn't realistic at, at that point for brooklyn to be like oh yeah by the way we got two firsts here uh you, you want to <laughs> what can we get for this
5: i mean i agree but in the same vein um uh, i came up with this idea uh, of trade I mean, when Nate was, was talking, I believe with Danny in, in another podcast, they had a bunch of report, actually actual, actual reporters, uh not only of us fans, and obviously I I didn't go, I couldn't get my trade uh, through, because uh, there was uh, 500 people there. Uh, but if I c- I could come up with this, I believe the only reason that uh, they might not have thought about it, this possibility of getting a-, a first, it would be if they actually did not believe the Harden would need to be traded, because otherwise well, you are like. There's two other possibilities here.
3: Right? One is that they did make the offer and Houston said no, right? The other is that the owner said Eric Gordon isn't worth me paying another like 50 million in luxury tax or whatever it was going to be. Yeah.
5: So, and I would say
2: too for Brooklyn, they may re- I mean like we said, right? Like KD is still out, Kyrie's only playing half the games. Who knows when Simmons will be back? Even if they can get their whole team together for this year, they just have such a tough road coming out of the play. I mean, historically like nothing like that, a team from that level has ever really made much noise other than uh the Knicks in like 1999, which was a totally weird year. So, I think uh ultimately, the Brooklyn is probably wants to just save their ammo for next year see what this team is figure out what they need to add to it I think maybe there's just a recognition that with the whole Kyrie thing and Simmons finding his footing and KD being injured that maybe this similar to the Lakers they'll make a run at it but this is not the year to go all in um okay let's get one more request here and that is going to be Micah Micah what do you got for us here
4: Hey, uh, you know, I'm a Suns fan and I'm, I'm pretty happy with the way things went, uh, in terms of just picking up Tory Craig. I feel like a lot of teams who yeah. are, uh, competing for a championship, their biggest goal is like chemistry, and I feel like the Suns found the one deal they could get that actually improved chemistry from bringing in someone from the outside, someone like Tory Craig. Uh, but I just want to ask about in terms of deadline deals, y'all are the experts here, but I, I'm racking my memory, and there aren't too many examples of a team making a big, splashy deadline deal and it leading to a championship, um, or even making a finals run that splashy deal it it tends to be the desperate teams trying to make a move a GM trying to save their job trying to appease a star big contracts exchanged and then not a whole lot happens at least in the short term uh, at the deadline Um, are there any examples you can think of or to the team 1995
3: Houston Rockets uh, traded for Clyde Drexler Drexler. and
2: won the championship as the sixth seed Um, 2004 Rashid Wallace to the Pistons Um, 08 the Lakers got Pau Gasol they made it to the finals that year and then obviously they won two championships after that and yeah those would be the three biggest ones where I think it really affected future championships a ton as far as like players getting like real all-star level type of guys Um, I mean just last year you know this is such an underrated move we always forget he was there but the Bucks getting P.J. Tucker I don't think the Bucks win the championship last year without P.J. Tucker he's He's not a star, but he really, I mean, I thought he changed the entire complexion of their team to be able to play Giannis at center at the end of games, have someone who could credibly guard KD. So I think like there definitely is the possibility. I agree with you that many of these moves do kind of turn out to be, or at least your implication, you didn't say it outright, that turn out to be much sound and fury signifying nothing in terms of the championship. But hey, you know what? Like this is fun. This is There are 30 teams that doesn't always have to be about the championship every year. So hopefully, uh, you know... this isn't all just a, a waste of hide air from us <laughs> analyzing all this right,
4: right? so uh, so i guess i guess my my second question is of the deals that happened at this deadline which ones do you like which one do you think could potentially have the most impact on a team trying to make a run
2: i mean uh, you're talking about this year or just this every? year this year like which which team like who at this deadline right
4: now which move do you think move the needle the most for a team trying to win a championship.
2: Well, I I will say this, you know, we haven't talked about the Bucks at all. If Serge Ibaka can get back to the level that he was at, I don't think he will. But that one is massive for Milwaukee. I thought their front court death was really compromised. And I don't know if he's the answer, but I think he, you know, even if he can just give them quality rotation minutes in the East playoffs, I think that matters. Yeah, Obviously, the Harden trade is the other one. What about you, John? Yeah,
3: see, I was, I was going to say Ibaka too. It's funny. I saw him play his first rehab game in the G League and he looked like he was 83 years old like he he could not jump above the rim yeah. like he looked so bad and you've seen him since then kind of progress like it's still not where it was but you could you could see a trajectory that you can talk yourself into a little more so i i would say that one is at least uh interesting from that perspective the move that i thought might have an impact on a championship it ended up not mattering until the offseason was that miami move to free up their first round pick to be traded again because i thought they were going to turn around and do a trade right away for somebody it looks like they're just going to take that into the offseason
2: oh man danny is like still showering off after discussing that
4: trade
2: (laughs) he loves he loves pick protection
4: (laughs) awesome thanks guys i appreciate it
2: (laughs) yeah and thanks to all of you for being listeners and uh, don't forget if you're this is your first time listening to the show you can subscribe we encourage you to do that we are actually going to take next week off for the all-star break and then we'll be back at the usual time the following wednesday two eastern 11 pacific here on twitter spaces and of course uh you can follow john's work at the athletic and subscribe dunked on prime danny and i talked about the deadline for two hours And we're actually going to spend another hour probably talking about it on Sunday as well. So uh, really appreciate you guys being listeners and hope you all enjoyed the trade deadline. We'll talk to you all next time. At Bet365, we
1: don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-point at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment.